Welcome to a Nate Women podcast with your host, Dr. Skylar Kobaki, and me, Dr. Megan Epps. Thank you for joining us as we focus on the six foundations of health, community, hormones, nutrition, movement, recovery, and mindset. This is where we will take a raw and open approach to healing. Let the discussion begin. Our preference of what we eat often stems from our childhood and adolescence. Our dietary preferences and habits are often deeply ingrained in us from a young age. These preferences and habits are shaped by the conditioning and exposure to certain foods that we experience while growing up, both within our family unit and at school. As adults, we carry the responsibility to nourish our bodies, and part of that responsibility involves educating ourselves on how to make nutritious choices and, if necessary, changing our ingrained habits to facilitate the well-being of our bodies. If your upbringing primarily consisted of consuming cereals, burgers, fast food, and processed items, embarking on a journey towards better health can be particularly challenging. Breaking free from shackles of ingrained dietary patterns requires a concerted effort to transform the way we eat. It's a process that demands self-awareness, dedication, and a commitment to prioritizing our health. Now today on Wellness Wednesday, we're going to delve into what we already know about nutrition. It's essential to recognize that we are aware of certain fundamental principles when it comes to nourishing our bodies. We understand that there's a diverse range of food that's essential to provide us the necessary nutrients to maintain overall well-being. Additionally, we have knowledge that processed food and high sugar items, simple carbohydrates, and the presence of chemicals in our food deplete our essential nutrients nutrients. It disrupts our gut health and it impacts our cognitive function negatively. But just because we know this doesn't mean that it's easy to follow. And many of our food choices are made subconsciously. We're actually driven by habit and a routine of something we've learned and developed over the years. So being intentional about our dietary decisions is crucial. But one of the more important things is setting a foundation. So if you don't have a healthy foundation from your childhood and adolescence and being a young adult, and now you're trying to make these changes, sometimes it's required to develop new habits. But today what we're going to be discussing is what should that foundation look like? How can we reset the foundation for our health and nutrition? And so we're going to have to start by shaking off what we knew and starting with the basics. The very first foundation is eating real food. Now you hear this all the time. What's real food? I'll tell you what, the marketing that is done is genius, okay? The food companies know how to sell. And they market things to be healthy when they're not. And there's very little regulation in the way that they can claim things. It's a lot of it, how do you how do you spin it to make things look healthier, cleaner looking, right? The packaging, what they say is in it. But eating real food means cutting out all the processed food. It means getting rid of the heavily refined food and focusing on whole, real food. This includes our vegetables, our fruits, our nuts, our seeds, our meats, and our healthy fat. This is the stuff that you're going to get on the outside of the grocery aisle and rarely get walking down the middle of the aisle. Real food is what we should be eating. And we have been taught from a very young age that real food includes fast food, that real food 
is anything from the supermarket. And we have to go back to basics and realize that processed food is chemicals. It's not the real food that's nourishing for our gut. And it's not the real food that's nourishing for our bodies, our brains, and for conceiving and having children. We need to set a new baseline and starting with the real food is what we need to start with. So that's basically things that are not packaged. The next thing is a got controversial over the years and it's prioritizing quality fats. Now we always advocate for the inclusion of healthy fats in the diet. These are found in avocados, olive oils, nuts, and fatty fish. Here's the thing. There is an entire uh, document of how we change the way we're eating. We used to eat fats in our diet. If you look at the older ways of eating, that's what we used to have. Um, It's not the number one thing, but we had healthy fats in our diet. And then came this entire thing where fats are bad, anti-fat. Because fats are more calories than the other base of food. So because it was higher calories and people decided that fat is what's causing all the heart disease, we cut fat in a lot of foods. And you can still see it, the generation who grew up with it, when you talk to them, they'll see fat and be like, absolutely not, I can't eat that, it has high fat. And low fat still prevails in a lot of industries. You see it in the dairy industry, and you see that labeling out there in the markets that are saying low fat, low fat, low fat. But fat does make things taste good. And how do you make something taste good when you cut the fat out? Especially something that's naturally has fat in it. And that's going to be chemicals and other processed foods. So we want to always avoid low fat and eat healthy fats as a part of our plate. Now, it's not going to be your largest part and portion of your plate. But at every meal, you should have a spoonful or two of a healthy fat. I do want to make note on olive oil. A lot of people know that olive oil is healthy. The Mediterranean diet has really taken off and we absolutely love that because it's one of the best diets you can do. But people also start to think that olive oil should be, you should use it for everything. And that's not the case. There are certain oils that are great for cooking and certain oils that are great for either on a salad or dipping bread in. Olive oil has what's called a low smoke point. So when you heat it up too high over a certain point, it becomes toxic. It's no longer a healthy oil. So if you're frying your food and cooking your food in high heat in olive oil and heating the olive oil up, you're now making it unknowingly toxic. So we want to switch to avocado oils, coconut oils to cook on a higher heat or regular everyday cooking and even butter and Things like tallow are also really wonderful and lard are really good for high heat cooking. And then we want to cover our salads in, in, uh, with avocados, with nuts such as walnuts, and that's where we want to put our olive oil. It should be rarely heated but mostly eaten raw, and that's where you're going to get that benefit that olive oil offers. And overall, these fats are so good because they are what support your brain and your hormone balance. We really, really, really want to make sure we're getting quality fats in our diet. Now, the next part for this baseline of nutrition is, I've talked about it a little bit because it goes with the eating real food, and it's avoiding the processed food. This processed food has trans fats. It has very high sugars, uh, levels of sugar and a lot of artificial additives, and it even has high salt in it. 
And this is processed salt. And so we're not anti-salt. We actually think you need to have an adequate amount of salt in your diet. But if eating one meal um, of processed food gives you two or three times that recommended amount per day, and it's all processed salt, so that means that salt is naturally nutritious and it comes with a lot of other uh, vitamins added to it and minerals. And if you don't have that in it and it's stripped, then you start to see the negative effects of it. Now, the next thing is, and this is a part that I think can be more challenging, is embracing traditional cooking methods. So let's talk about this for a minute. If you weren't raised cooking, it can be daunting. It can be really daunting to learn how to cook. But cooking is easy. It's just you have to be okay making mistakes. And not all your meals are going to be amazing. But we really want to get to cooking most of our meals because that allows us to use real real ingredients. It allows us to focus on a more communal experience. You know, cooking shouldn't be high speed and get everything in and out. And I know sometimes with life, we only have so much time, but sometimes these traditional cooking methods, even allowing something to sit in a crock pot for a long period of time can be really beneficial for our nutrients. You know, for example, um, letting a chicken cook, the chicken bones cook in a crock pot for a longer time will give you bone broth, right? And then you can go home and add quickly some other ingredients to make a soup, but that's a really nourishing soup. And it's much more nourishing broth, nourishing broth than if you were to just purchase it from the store. And for and that's for a majority, there are a few brands that are really great. We will link them in here. But these traditional cooking methods include really slow cooking. And sometimes it's even on a on a lower heat. So it allows for the meat to become very tender, the vegetables and all the nutrients to really blend together and give you a more umami taste and and give you less of that high heat that can, especially cooking with things like olive oil, um, lead to more toxins in your food. Now, another thing is fermentation. Your gut is directly connected to your brain and to the rest of your body. It can, having a poor gut health can trigger inflammation in all of your joints and the rest of your body. It can cause brain fog and a lot of other aches and pains, poor sleep issues, and a lot of dysregulation in your body in general. Your gut needs to be focused on. I always say it's like one of the biggest starting points. And part of that is fermentation. Now, I know taking a probiotic is really, really trendy and beneficial. And I'm not against probiotics by any means. In fact, I often like a good probiotic. Um, but one of the things are they need to be cycled because the probiotics only have a certain amount of bacteria that come in them. It's feeding your body healthy bacteria. But your gut has trillions of bacteria versus millions that might come in this pill form. And so if you were to take the same probiotic for years and years and years, it can have a range in the beginning where it's really beneficial and helps nourish your gut. But then after years and years, because of the lack of diversity, it can then be more harmful than beneficial. So what we like to do instead is eating fermented foods. Now, fermented foods have a bad rap. I used to feel that way. I used to be like, oh, I don't want to eat that. It's just sour and gross. 
And then I started making my own, and then I found some brands that I absolutely love. And you don't have to just have the sauerkraut. Now, I found some brands that I absolutely love with the sauerkraut where it's more mild tasting. And other things I love to eat are fermented carrots. They actually stay somewhat crispy, and they're just so delicious um, with a little tang to them because they're still sweet. And you can also have things like kimchi where they're spicy and delicious. And even kombucha, uh, for some of you who love carbonated food, I'm not as much of a fan, but for some, it is, you know, delicious. So you, I would recommend if you haven't eaten for a lot of fermented food, you start to try to out different ones and you only need a spoonful a day. You don't need to be eating this every day, all day long with every single meal. You need about a spoonful to one to two spoonfuls a day of fermented food. And then you're feeding your healthy gut bacteria. You're nourishing your own trillions of bacteria naturally and giving them this food um, that they love to eat and that really helps heal your gut. I think fermented food is one of the best foods that you can eat to heal your gut. And the thing is, we've been eating this. It has been in almost every culture of society is some type of fermented food. We've always known that it's good for our body. And right now might be... I don't know the scientific facts on this part, but this is something my own, what I observe, we might be eating less fermented foods in America than ever before because traditionally it's in a lot of traditional foods. And if you look back at different cultures, you see some, some type of fermented vegetable in like throughout all of it. And yet right now, very few people are regularly eating this fermented foods. So we highly recommend um, getting in the habit of either putting it on your meals. I love to add it to like if I eat a taco or on top of my eggs um, or if I have a a wrap for lunch or even salads mixed in um, and just eating a spoonful a day and it can start to make a huge change. The other more traditional cooking method is sprouting. So we know that sprouted seeds are very, very healthy. It actually enhances the nutritional value of this food. It makes it more these seeds more digestible. Um, and you can even use sprouted flowers if you make a sourdough per se. And sourdough, the reason it's good for you is because it uses a fermentation process. So if you use sprouting and fermented and it's slow cooking, you create a bread that's nourishing for you versus the bread you're buying from the supermarket that has so much sugar and additives that it's not healthy at all. It's not beneficial to eat. So that's the biggest thing about when we start to embrace these traditional cooking methods and eating these more traditional foods, and this includes bone in and bone, like meat with the bone on it, so it's not as processed meat and avoiding all the processed meats with the nitrates, and really focus on the quality of our ingredients and having them be more local we can that's our foundation of which we want to grow out of once we get this more traditional base laid it allows us to grow from there it's one of the best things we can do because when we're cooking at home we're allowed to choose more fresh food more wholesome ingredients you actually know what's in it you know how much salt you're putting in. you know how much sugar you're putting in it you know how much fat you're putting in it so then you are able to be more cognizant of of how you're nourishing your body because ultimately nourishing your body is an act of love. So we also want to look at, to move on, is we want to look at more balanced macronutrients. So we want a balance of healthy fats, of protein, and of healthy carbohydrates. Carbs, 
there's a lot of things in carbs. You know, we just like group a very large group of things as carbs. And carbs inherently aren't bad. A sweet potato, a white potato, these are carbs. They're really great for you. The purple potatoes are excellent for you. Beans can be beneficial for a majority of people. Some people do struggle with them, but beans can be beneficial for you. And these can go under carbohydrates and how you're processing. Sourdough bread can be good for you. These are more complex carbohydrates. Now, if you process them, then they become simple carbohydrates and we do not wanna be eating those. We wanna be eating the real nutritious carbohydrates in a very balanced way and this balance and regulation of our macronutrients can help us regulate our blood sugar and have more regular energy throughout the day. Now, the next thing in our base is a mindful eating. A lot of people eat fast and we eat quickly and we get in and we get out and we aren't thinking about what we eat. I mean, most of overeating happens without us thinking, right? It's like, oh, I'm eating this, I'm snacking here, I'm having this. And then suddenly we just eat an entire day's worth of nutrients. And what we want to focus on is being mindful of what we eat. And mindfulness has become trendy. So things that I would recommend, so we have actual usable things on how to be more mindful is going to be understanding if you're actually hungry and when you're full. Slowing down the speed at which you eat. And then some of the other things are going to be um, with that slowing down of what you eat, but also I would keep a food journal if it's something that you've struggled with. Sometimes we just don't know until we write it down. And food journals are a way to provide evidence to ourselves so we can actually give ourselves real information, real, real data on what we're actually eating, how we're feeling when we eat, what we feel before we eat. And I think even keeping track of who you eat with that can be really beneficial because eating should be communal and that's part of that healing process. Eating alone quickly just to move on to your next job isn't something that nourishes your body and keeping a, a, a journal on your food but also on your feelings around that food can be such great evidence to help you understand more of what is going on. And getting an understanding of yourself and your relationship to food. Because a lot of our relationship to food has been taught to us at such a young age, we don't think about it. Now, we also want to make sure we're having a diverse diet. We don't want to just eat the same thing every day. We need to have a variety of foods, a variety of colors on our plates. We need to eat various different fruits, a lot of different vegetables, and a lot of different types of protein. Now, that's one of the things that eating seasonal helps to do. You eat based on the season and locally, so you eat diversity because we're changing season to season. It's not every day, all day long, year-round, we eat the same thing. That's not a more traditional diet that humans have had for years. It's changed with the seasons. And so the last thing that I want to discuss is hydration. We are ultimately, as a society, dehydrated. I know that everybody carries on water bottles. It's a very big thing. And I love that because having the right water bottle can absolutely help you drink more water. But we need to be drinking and hydrating overall throughout the day and making sure we're getting enough of what we our body needs. 
and not just at one point of the day, but throughout the day. And we also sometimes need to add electrolytes to our water. And this can include lemon and uh, mineralized salt can help us add that electrolyte to our water and help us absorb more of it and stay more hydrated. These are the absolute fundamentals and basics of where we need to start for good nutrition. There's a lot of different nuances and different ways that we can enhance different tricks and different things that we can do. But before we can grow and get great at anything, we need to start with the basics. And so what this podcast is giving you is here's our baseline of what we need to get really good at. And then from there, we can start to do some of the other things we might see. Or if you want to try out different diets, but when it comes to eating, if you want to be consistent, the basics are the most important part. And then from there, you can figure out more customized Um, nutritional changes that you can make for your individual goals. We would love to work with you in the future. So if you ever have any questions of this or you want to dive deeper or you really need some support through it, with Innate Women, we have an online support program as well as you can individually work with us. So we'd love for you to reach out and get to know us better so we can get to know you better and create a great relationship where we can help you reach your health goals. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Innate Women podcast. You are invited to join our community at innatewomen.com. We believe that healing is not done in isolation. If you want to start your healing journey or join a group of women who are dedicated to growth and health and mindset, join our social media and our private Facebook group to connect. To find out more, head over to innatewomen.com. We can't wait to meet you.